You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me, as always, is my good friend Frank Madden. And Frank, the Milwaukee Bucks do not play basketball until Friday night, which is a time entirely too far from now. Um, (laughs) And instead of trying to create some stories or, uh, I don't even know, do some deep, in-depth research... Um, we decided to take the easy way out and ask all of you for some questions uh, because that's kind of how we roll. Uh, so we took yesterday off and we are back today and we are back with one of our favorite things, our mailbags, where we get to talk to all of you and hopefully uh, get some feedback from all of you and get some questions and hopefully get some things that we generally don't don't tend to think about. Um, so hopefully, um, I was looking through the list of questions. There's a bunch of different topics, and I know we're going to get into a bunch of stuff here. So I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to hand it over to you, Frank. How are you doing? And let's get this started. Uh, I'm good. Thanks, Eric. Uh, I continue to watch uh, tons of Winter Olympics. Are you keeping up with Winter Olympics? I feel like I'm consuming everything that is not curling because um, I think everything else is interesting, and I think curling is stupid. Um, which I, I tweeted about the other day and I, I, I didn't get actually that much resistance. I feel like people a lot of times say they like curling, talk about liking curling. I'm sure curling is probably pretty fun, but I, I don't want to see it on TV. Um, think, and you may feel differently, but I'm, I'm enjoying like everything but curling. Yeah. I think I could go to a curling club and have a couple beers. And I know there are some curling clubs in Wisconsin. Like I, oh, yeah. to me, that seems generally like a cool way to spend my Friday, like an interesting way to spend my Friday night. But when I watch it, am I particularly interested? No, I'm yeah. not. Like a, a large version of shuffleboard. Like, nope, I'm out. It it also seems to take uh, these the like because uh, a lot of times I'll notice it because it's on a lot, and then I'll be flipping around the channels trying to you know figure out what else is on, and I'm just like waiting for it to no longer be on. And um, especially because I'm on paternity leave, I'm I'm watching a lot randomly during the day when I'm just like, sitting around with the baby. And, um, there's a lot of, a lot of like, basically curling is like the innings eater of like the random NBC sports channels during the day, just a lot of curling. And it just seems like the games take, I don't know how long the games take. Um, maybe it's like not that long. It just seems like the individual games are on forever and they're just really slow. So, um, anyway, that is my, my curling hatred, uh, for the day. I am, uh, I did watch the U S uh, men's hockey team yesterday. Uh, enjoyed watching them beat Slovakia. We got to uh, get this recorded so we can watch the U S men's hockey team. I think they start here in a little while. Yeah. So I'm recording lots of stuff. Um, I don't know how strong their hopes are. I'm excited for, are the women playing tonight as well? The, the women against Canada? No, that's tomorrow night, I think. Okay. Or maybe the night okay. after. 
I'm I'm big on the women's uh, hockey team because they actually uh, are good. good. <laughs> uh, they always seem to lose in heartbreaking fashion. Canadian, so shout out to them. Um, but yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully we'll see see them uh, bring bring uh, bring home some hardware. Um, but anyway, that's enough of my 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 lockdown Olympics talk. Uh, jumping into uh, the questions. Thanks everybody for the questions. We got a bunch of them as always. We're gonna try to get through most of them. Appreciate everybody taking the time to to send them in. We really appreciate it. Um, the the I would kind of structure this as and again, well, this will probably get broken up into a couple episodes. But we kind of had just some general like kind of more general kind of basketball questions, more like personal questions. Then we had some like roster building questions. Um, we have some kind of like rotations type questions. And then we have some questions about um, where the Bucks fit in the East and and kind of looking ahead, you know, both short term to the next couple of weeks, as well as kind of the bigger picture where the Bucks sit in the East this year, who they'd want to face in the playoffs, things like that. So that's sort of the general structure. And again, thanks to everybody for asking questions. And in terms of sort of like to get us started, I'm going to start with a really general one for you, Eric. And that was, what was the first thing that made you fall in love with basketball? Were the Bucks always the team you rooted for, or were there other teams you liked in years past? Um, let's see. So the the first thing that made me fall in love with basketball was just kind of, I mean, I think my family's love for basketball. Like, I grew up in gyms because either my brother or sister would be playing and I'd watch them and both of them played on uh, particularly good teams when I was growing up. My brother was five years older than me. My sister, seven years older. Um, my sister was in two state championship games. My brother was in, uh, oh, they never got to state, but they were just generally good basketball teams. So I, my love with it would start there. And then, uh, challenging my brother to games of basketball where he would have to score a hundred points and I'd have to score like five, um, because he was just so much bigger than me. And I mean, to me, basketball is kind of family. Like that's where it all started for me. Um, so I would say that is what kind of made me fall in love with basketball. Um, and then were the Bucks always the teams that I rooted for? Yes, because my family, we had a 10-game pack for the Bucks when I was, I think, 10 through 14, maybe. Maybe even 8 to 12 or somewhere in there. We had a 10-pack, so I would always end up going to Bucks games and rooting for the Bucks. Um, and obviously watching Bucks on Channel 24 when I was a kid and stuff like that. Um, but so what... what, what- what era of, I mean, cause since obviously we're, we're different ages. So when you first started going to those games, what, what was the, what teams were, were, were that, that you, they were seeing? Um, it would have been the very start would have been like trail Brandon. Like that would have been like where my memory of Bucks basketball. Okay. So like, just like, just slightly pre big three, basically. Correct. Very slightly before that. Um, rocking with a little, yeah. So yeah, I, I would say that was about where it was. Um, so, uh, I mean, generally the basketball that I could remember, like the first, it was all good years kind of, uh, getting to hop in with some good basketball teams when I actually enjoyed and cared about basketball was pretty nice. So I didn't really have any of the, the Brad Lowhouse years or anything like that. Like I, I didn't, that wasn't me. That's a, a little bit too young for me. So I, I would say I probably had, I guess I was maybe at, as far as Bucks fandom goes, a little bit spoiled as, uh, as a kid, especially for most people our age ish. Like if you go much further back than where I am, you 
probably grew up on some some crummy basketball because you missed the good stuff in the 80s and you didn't get to the good stuff in the 90s until like 10 years later. Yeah, that's basically me. Um, so I, <laughs> I, I kind of became an NBA fan in 1991 or so, which was when I was 10. So I, I moved to Wisconsin when I was eight. Um, I was living in Germany before that. Um, and my dad was in the army. So uh, we moved when I was eight to Wisconsin. I think I think I saw my first Bucks game in '91. Um, I remember Moses Malone was on the team mm. in that first game I saw, and then we got season ticket, or my dad got. I think it was like maybe a ten game pack initially, or a season ticket split in '92. And I remember going to draft night 1992, where the Bucks uh, fatefully picked Todd Day and Lee Mayberry. Yep. Uh, good times. Um, and uh, I still have the. There was a commemorative upper deck, uh, like it wasn't a trading card. It was like this big little, it was like a card and it had like pictures of all the top lottery picks since 1985. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I remember having, I still have that hanging in my, my room at home, which of course is a room of like, you know, looks like a kid's room basically. But, <laughs> um, but that's kind of where, yeah, that's where things started. And my first favorite player, I, I actually kind of got into all the major sports around the same time, like 91, 92. So I like had like a favorite player in each sport. And so my favorite players, in uh, basketball was David Robinson, in, and largely that was because you know he was obviously like super fun and awesome at the time. It was just coming into the league; it had been in the league two years when I when I kind of started following it. Um, and he was a Navy guy, so being an Army brat, yeah. I thought it was cool that he was a Navy guy and he was like really smart. And you know, so he and obviously he was a great player. So he was my favorite player as a kid. And there were definitely a few years, like up until the mid nineties, I would say I actually, because my loyalty to David Robinson was so strong, I actually rooted up for the Spurs when they would play the Bucks as well. <laughs> so the Spurs were my first favorite team. Although, and, and I would say when the Spurs won the 99 world championship, um, that was one of the best sporting moments of my life, like seeing David Robinson win a title after like all the BS that he kind of went through and people questioning him and all that. And then seeing him finally win a title with Duncan, um, that was totally awesome. Still, still the, still my favorite championship, um, in terms of NBA championships that I've seen just because obviously the bucks have not delivered me one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but I, I have to say after David Robinson retired, I, I still kind of liked the Spurs for a while, but then I kind of got like bored with them. So, uh, even though I now live, you know, an hour and a half from San Antonio and in, in, in Texas, but, um, but yeah, so that was my first kind of favorite team. Um, and obviously the Bucks, yeah, early nineties, I kind of came in right when things got pretty sparse for a few years there. Um, but I remember, uh, yeah, I definitely remember the, you know, being super excited. I remember being in my house when they won the draft lottery to get Glenn Robinson. And I was always a Glenn Robinson loyalist over Ray Allen even, which of course in hindsight doesn't make a lot of sense when you look back on their resumes, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's a little bit of my, my background. And I just, and I remember I, I, I also liked the Bulls when they were, I mean, cause I didn't have a team in the, in the Eastern playoffs those mm-hmm. first few years. So like I rooted for the Bulls and the Spurs never came out of the East or the West in those early years. So I rooted for the Bulls in those first couple. Um, I saw the last two of the first three, Pete. Um, yep. those are my first two years. Um, of, of being an NBA fan. And I, my next door neighbor, who's my best friend was from Chicago. So we rooted for the bulls together and it was, that was a lot of fun. Um, and obviously, you know, rooting for Jordan is, is pretty easy. Um, so, so that was some of my most, some of my earliest experience. Cause also I didn't have cable TV initially. So, um, seeing the playoffs, that was like, you know, I, yeah. I was able to watch all the, you know, a lot more playoff games than, than regular season games. So anyway, other kill bas- that question, uh, just what's that? other basketball teams, since you got one, um, like other basketball players that I enjoyed. Um, I've mentioned this on Twitter. 
Jason Williams. Like I, he was at the perfect age for me as a basketball player that it was right where I could start doing like skilled things. So my like sixth grade coaches just hated me because I would be tossing behind the back passes over my head. Like, and then since I watched those Kings games so much, I'd be flopping all over the place because I watched Vlade. Like I had to be the most annoying kid ever. And I can't tell you how many times I got benched because I was trying Jason Williams passes, no looks over the heads, between the legs, behind my back, like all that stuff. And God, my coaches had to just absolutely despise me. So that was like my first, uh, I would say, like outside of Milwaukee Bucks basketball, like basketball, uh, I don't know, basketball love, I guess. Um, Jason Williams and then the Steve Nash sons were, I mean, just incredible. That And that hit me as I was in like high school. So I could, that was as I was getting even better as a basketball player that someone like Steve Nash came around and I happened to play guard. So. I was trying to do wrong foot layups and shoot pull-up threes and do all of that. So um, those would be my two outside of the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, and I should say the thanks to uh, at DB Sweeney who who sent us that question. Um, I would say too, just in terms of other teams I've liked, disliked. Um, basically, the '90s were in the East. I rooted for the Bulls because the Bucks weren't good in the playoffs. Um, and then in the West, it was Spurs, and then I rooted basically against everybody else. Um, I hated the, I hated the, I hated basically all of Shaq's teams because Shaq had that weird fake rivalry with David Robinson, which by the way, there was a really good, um, I didn't get to watch uh, it. I saw it's like 10 minutes long though. So I'm yeah. Excited. There, uh, my, my friend Seth Rosenthal from uh, SB nation founder of the Knicks blog posting and toasting did this really good, um, history on the Shaq David Robinson beef, which is basically like. Shaq manufactured it and like even lied about the origins of it um, in order to basically like motivate himself, um, which is typical Shaq BS. But anyway, um, <laughs> I always disliked the I hated the Lakers. To be honest, the most detached I was from basketball in my life after I started following the NBA was during the Lakers big run in the early 2000s. I was in college. I didn't have cable TV in college. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just kind of like checked out because the Lakers were so good. And then when the Spurs won that title in 03, I was year I was graduating from college. Um, I got back into it and, uh, and then got league pass. I think the next year when I was out of college, but um, hated the Lakers. Uh, like I said, I rooted for the Bulls in, in the nineties when they were winning all those titles, which was an easy, uh, easy out, I guess uh, to, to do. Um, and other than that, though, I don't, I don't know, like I don't have, I really am not like at this point in my life, like I root for the the bucks and I don't, I don't really have other teams, players. I really, I really root for it, to be honest. Like, I don't know. I mean, I guess there's some teams I dislike less. I, I did like Dwayne Wade because of the Marquette connection. I like that. Um, I rooted for that heat team that won the, I guess, Oh six title. Um, which now is kind of funny because like D Wade became such a unlikable, <laughs> like whiner type yeah. player. Um, but, uh, but I did that and eventually like, I actually rooted for, um, for LeBron and the last couple heat teams just because I thought the backlash against them was like too yeah. much. So I was just like, eh, like, and I, and I thought like just the, I don't know, just the skip Baylessification of like people <laughs> hating on LeBron. I was just like, you know what? LeBron's the best. He should win some titles. I'm okay with this, but, um, not, not to the point of me, like really going out of my way to root for them, but I was, I was happy when they, when they won those couple of titles, at least, even though they were kind of the, the evil empire, I guess. Um, While we're here, first basketball jersey you had. 
Um, I'll tell you all the basketball jerseys I had as a kid. I had a David Robinson Black Spurs jersey, which I got in seventh grade, I recall. I had I also had a Jordan Bulls jersey, which had the white uh, nameplate lettering, not the black that it eventually went okay. to. So this was like probably like 92 or earlier, I think. I don't know if when, when it went to the black name on the back, but um, but I had those two. And then I don't think I had any other. I don't think I've I ever had a Bucks jersey, although if you go into my room now, um, my dad, as a season ticket holder, did get a an autographed Giannis jersey as a part of a season ticket holder thing a couple years ago. So mm. there is actually if you if you ever decide to rob my parents house, uh <laughs> I, go ahead and steal the uh, autograph Giannis jersey from my childhood bedroom upstairs, you <laughs> heartless bastard. Because um, there is there is one up there, but I yeah I actually don't ha- I don't have uh, I don't have any other I have uh, I, I do have a Barry Sanders Lions jersey and a Ooh, Marshall a, Falk, a Marshall Falk Colts jersey. Okay, if that's not random, also hanging up there. Um, my first one was a Penny Hardaway Black Magic jersey. Oh yeah, and it was oh my gosh I wore it out like the the numbers peeled off of it. everything peeled off it because i adored that jersey so then i think i ended up getting a blue penny hardaway uh magic jersey for my next one um but i love those and then i think in my middle school years i kind of fell into like a throwback kick so i have a pistol Pete jersey and a will chamberlain jersey that i adored and wore all the time they were awesome Wow, Pistol Pete, that's that's a that's a pretty legit jersey. And I have to say too, the jerseys I had, those were like champion. Oh yeah, like the, the Penny one was a champion one for yeah. sure. For like me. they they, I mean now they look like super cheap. Um, but anyway, all right. Uh, next question. So um, this is a quick one. This is a selfish one. Justin Cape clearly directing it just to me. Um, will you raise your child up to be Bucks fan or Rockets fan since you know your wife is a Rockets fan and all? I won't judge. Uh, Justin, fair to ask. Um, I, I mean, I think we'll, we'll raise my daughter Matilda to be both a Bucks and Rockets fan. I don't, I can't predict which side she will be a fan of more. Um, but she will certainly have every Rockets and every Bucks game on in our house. If she wants to, uh, become an NBA fan, she will have every opportunity to do so. And, um, I will do my best to try to make her more of a Bucks fan, but I I don't know. We'll see. I mean, she's, she's a newborn. So by the time she sort of knows what basketball is, I'm guessing, you know, Giannis will still be kind of at the tail end of his prime and James Harden will be old and fat. So uh, hopefully, (laughs) hopefully, hopefully the Bucks will be better than the Rockets at that point and will be more fun to root for. But, um, I I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm going to be willing to bet against Daryl Morey. So, um, one more question before we get into kind of really specific Bucks talk. Uh, Chelsea Tucker asked us, um, who are your favorite NCAA players to watch for in the tournament? And we haven't really obviously talked much about the draft or college basketball because we don't necessarily obviously follow it that closely. Um, but Eric, are there like, uh, is, would there be three guys that kind of like are, are on your list? Are there, you know, are you watching games at this point in college? Um, or are, is it more of a, you know, I, I need to understand what the hell these guys are like. So I'm going to watch some of these guys in, in March Madness just to get some feel for them. Uh, college basketball season during the regular season, I only watch Badgers and Marquette games. Those are the only games I will watch. And I don't watch either of them religiously um, just because they end up being on the same night as Bucks games a lot of the time. Um, so you have not seen any NBA prospects is what you're telling us. Uh, 
Ethan Happ does well in projection models. Um, and he Steals, has, baby. Steals, yeah, he baby. has for a while. Uh, so maybe. Uh, but other than that, so I guess, guys, I'm looking at Jaron Jackson is coming on super strong. And maybe they call him Jaron Jackson Jr. I think I've seen Triple J used Triple for him. J, yep. uh, Michigan State, big man. For, what is he, 6'10", 6'11", freshman, 242 pounds, I think he's listed that. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. Someone did their prep. Um, so I was just, I was just, I was just looking it up <laughs> no. today just cause he had that dunk that people were all kind of getting excited Agreed. about. The, I saw, I had seen some talk of him and then that dunk kind of sealed it for me. I'll be watching for him. Deandre Ayton. I want to see he, I've seen one or two of his games and he is just a monster of a man. Um, so I'm curious kind of what he's all about. I I've heard whispers that there's a jump shot there. Maybe I'm not really sure if that exists. Um, so I'm kind of curious uh, about that. And then this third one is difficult. Um, I, I'm I'm going to hope that you're going to hit on some of these other guys. So I will not say who my other ones are. But Michael Brit- Michael Bridges, I'm not sure how you say it, but Bridges for Villanova. Um, I want to see some more of him. He's kind of come on strong. He, I think a lot of people saw him as a role player. And then this year he's kind of blossomed into something more. Um, and I think he's probably in the teens. So maybe that's a guy that... I could have like, hope since he's at an advanced age, or I think he is. I don't know enough about him um, that maybe there'd be questions about him and he could possibly follow the Bucks. That's all I got. Yeah, um, I would say um, DeAndre Ayton is a guy that I have not seen at all this year. Plays at Arizona. I'll guess I'll blame it on West Coast, you know, Pacific time zone or, or something. Um, I mean, he plays at Arizona, so it's not like he's like at some under the radar school, but I just haven't seen him at all. Um, but yeah, the numbers, what is he, 20 and 10 guy as a freshman, um, has actually appears to have some semblance of a jump shot. Uh, and as you said, it's just enormous. So he's intriguing. Um, I think, I feel like, uh, I think in the latest, um, uh, draft express mock which is now the espn insider mock i think jonathan gavoni had him number two after luka Doncic. i want to say um and it's interesting i mean people are kind of questioning mainly like his shot blocking and defensive sort of instincts but you know again probably as part of that is also just sort of great grading him on a curve because like he's an enormous physical freak and you'd expect him to be dominant defensively. Yeah. And it, I guess he's not, but again, I haven't really watched him. So would be very interested to see more of him. I would agree. Um, Trey young is the guy that I thought you might mention. Um, he was one of them. Yeah. I've seen a couple of his games. I actually, actually haven't seen him like at his best. And I actually went to see um, in person, the OU Texas game um, a few weeks ago Ooh, where Obama um, and beyond Frank. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Um, my first, that was my first, like, I think that was my first college basketball game since I went to see, uh, I had some friends on the women's team in college and I, so I went to some games of theirs in college. This might be the first time I've seen a college basketball (laughs) game in person since then. Um, I never went to Marquette games growing up. I've never been to a Badger game. Um, I, I mean, I followed them growing up and I never went to the games and I did go the two times in the nineties, I guess, when, um, the NCAA tournament was in Milwaukee. Uh, I did go, um, I saw Tim Duncan play when he was at Wake Forest randomly. Um, so I actually have seen some college basketball, but not a lot. Um, and yeah, so Trey Young, I think just, I think, and a lot of Bucks fans probably find him really intriguing just cause, you know, for the same reason that. You know, we talk about Steph Curry being the most fascinating guy. If you could pick a superstar to play with Giannis, Trey Young, you know, getting the um, rather lofty comparisons of like, could he have some of that Steph Curry type ability in terms of being a, a point guard who can just shoot from anywhere, regardless of how covered he is. And he's also a terrific playmaker. I think what he's averaging 
I don't think he's at 30 points per game anymore, but like high 20s and he's averaging 10 assists again. I mean, the numbers are incredible. Um, he's small. He's going to get pushed around defensively for sure. Um, but he's just a tremendously skilled guy. I don't, I, you know, again, I don't know if there's another guy you can point to as a freshman um, who has had his shooting ability, um, you know, the, and, and shown it the way he can, right? I mean, teams are loading up on him and he still gets ridiculously tough shots off. And, 28 and points, nine assists, 36.6% from three on 10 three-point attempts per yeah. game. And a bunch of them are off the dribble. He's ridiculous. And those are, yeah, the, his shot selection is horrendous, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, and OU's lost a bunch of games of late. They lost that game against Texas, which was an upset. Um, so I'm hoping they kind of pull it together uh, because, again, that's a team that would be really fun to watch in, in the tournament. Obviously, Steph Curry, a guy who used the tournament to kind of really broaden, um, you know, his brand and, and appeal when he was at uh, Davidson, I guess. Um, so, yeah, Trey Young's would be kind of the big guy that, that I'd be interested in. I mean, certainly if there's, you know, an intriguing guy for the Bucks, you know, I mean, again, uh, let's not hold out hope that they're going to trade up into the lottery or something like that. Cause mm-hmm. that never generally happens. But if there was a guy that you were going to trade up for as much as there are a lot of intriguing big guys in the draft, um, I think young would be the, the most fun guy just cause again, maybe he's not going to be a star player, but in the best case scenario, like man, would he be an incredible guy to pair with Giannis? Um, and then I think one other guy, I mean, again, I, I did see Bamba, Mobamba from uh, UT play in that game. I've actually watched a few other UT games. It's probably the guy I've seen the most of, um, which is still not a lot. Uh, and he's he's fun. He's intriguing. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, he he's started to shoot some threes. Like, he, has, he looks fine when he's shooting free throws. Uh, he has some skill level there. But for the most part, I mean, he's just a, you know, I think he's like a 7-8. Uh, wingspan, great shot blocker. You know, there's more of the Gobert comparisons. I, I don't know if he's ever going to be, you know, a really polished offensive player. There's, there's, I think there's some glimmers of that upside, but um, definitely a fun player to watch and just kind of freakish frame. Um, not a, not a heavy guy at this point. Um, not as filled out as like a guy like Aiton, but um, definitely a, a fun guy to, to watch. And again, um, you know, UT is actually close by here so i'm i'm hoping they can kind of get it together and and hopefully also do something in the postseason so anyway those are my my three guys as well um should we should we jump into some some roster building questions eric yeah i'm into it uh miles bridges was my last one i want to see more of oh, him. Miles bridges, yeah. um i don't i don't i think it i thought he was his draft stock was high last year and then it would kind of got low and now i think maybe it's in the team i don't really know where he's he's supposed to go or maybe he's surging again i can't follow along he probably he should have he probably should have come out um but again i mean you know whatever who knows um so in terms of uh questions that are more focused on kind of the roster and building it and all, all that kind of big picture stuff um jared anderson asks is it possible that the Bucs missed out on their only opportunity to build a championship or their only opportunities to build a championship caliber team when they passed on Embiid for Jabari and weren't able to trade for Kyrie? Um, I'm trying to think if we should pair it with one of these other questions. Well, why don't we just leave? Why don't we just take it that way? Um, I, I don't know. How, how do you view that? Obviously, I mean, in hindsight, as much as we want to say, oh, Jabari still, you know, we still want to see what he can do. I mean, look, n- no GM would turn back the clock and, and take Jabari again over Joel Embiid. It was, I think, understandable that the Bucks were not willing to, you know, that basically they were not willing to roll the dice on Embiid at the time. But um, in hindsight, yeah, that that should have been the pick. And wow, would that be awesome if they had? Um, but I don't know. I mean, how but do you also maybe look back not. on it? Like, 
Embiid hasn't played a full season yet. Like that hasn't happened. So I would say like I would. He's certainly a better player than Jabari. Like don't get me wrong there. Um, but I think there's still questions about uh, his health and his durability and whether or not he can play. I know. Oh, who was it? Someone at Bleacher Report today wrote an article about Sam Hinkie and some of that and some of the opinions of people. And uh, one of the things uh, uh, an anonymous executive said, which, I mean, you can't really trust for anything, but an anonymous executive had mentioned, like, well, if they get 70 games out of Embiid some season, I think maybe they'll be lucky. So I think there's still some questions there, but we'll see. Um, Ultimately, I think... These aren't the only opportunities, but I do think they are two opportunities that I think looking back on it, you'll you'll maybe regret some. Uh, I think you'll you'll look at Embiid instead of Jabari and hope that and wish that you had Embiid, um, just because he has been so dominant. We saw what he did in the All Star game and just kind of what he's able to do generally. So I think you'll see that and kind of wish you had that, um, and just the way that him and Giannis could play together could end up being a lot of fun. And then uh, I think when they look back at the summer of Kyrie, I think, or I would guess that the organization would wonder, did we push hard enough? Because looking at the trade package that happens, and I know at the time the the hip thing with IT was real. Like the the trade got put on hold for a little while because the Cavs weren't a hundred percent sure on his hip and kind of all that. And well, it looks like it's very real. Like it looks like maybe there's a chance Isaiah Thomas is never the player that he was, or he'll never be the guy that he was ever again. And I think now when you look at that package, obviously the Bucks didn't have a Nets pick in them. Um, but when you look at Middleton and you look at Brogdon and you look at adding, what was it? Middleton Brogdon and two first was what Zach Lowe was reporting. How, how much of that did the Bucks push in? Like, how much did they push into the middle and say, okay, Cavs, you have to match this? And uh, I, I, I don't think it's something that we'll ever know. Um, but I do think as they look back on it, the Bucks will wonder, did we push far enough in? Because uh, it's a question we're going to get a little bit later, I believe, uh, about who's a true number two and stuff like that. Like, Kyrie's a true number two, where the things that Bledsoe can't really do, like, he's able to do a number of those things. And granted, he's he's not quite as good defensively, um, but this year he's been largely okay defensively. And offensively, he just has that elite, innate ability to create off the dribble his rim finishing is incredible his ability to shoot off the dribble is great like I do think the Bucks will look back on that and wonder did we push hard enough I don't know if they will ever think like we should have given up Middleton and Brogdon in two first because I mean that's it's a significant package but at the same time I do think there will kind of maybe be a lingering doubt in their minds like did we explore it as far as we should have? And if we would have gone a little bit further down that road, maybe could we have talked the Cavs into just a first rounder for Middleton and Brogdon? Because those two guys are are better than the players that that the Cavs got. So uh, I think it'll be a question. I don't. But to answer the larger question, only opportunities. No, things happen in the NBA. Like the NBA changes drastically. Every two years, <laughs> every every year and a half, every year, like there are drastic changes each and every year. 
there are human beings throughout the league, so there are going to be conflicts between those human beings, and there will be uh, problems between ownership and players and players and other players and players and coaches, and people will make tough decisions, and maybe they'll make bad decisions where they give up a player. So I, I won't say it's their only opportunities, but I do think they'll look back on both of those and kind of kind of wonder. Yeah, I mean, odds are the Bucks don't win a championship, right? I mean, that's the, the yep. odds are stacked against kind of... I mean, Ever. odds are... The Sixers don't win a championship either. It's not specifically trying to, you know, talk down to the Bucs, but odds yeah. are the Bucs don't win a championship. So we'll look back and say, well, what could they have done to 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 get over the hump? And obviously picking Embiid would have been an obvious one. Um, you know, I think the, uh, the Kyrie thing is tough because, I, I mean, I still just don't know if he would have. I mean, the fundamental question for me that we talked about, obviously, was would he have resigned, right? And um not only would he re-have signed is, is obviously a big reason why I think the Bucks had to be careful. Uh, and again, he had two years left on his deal at the time, right? So it wouldn't have been this summer, but the summer after that they would have had to re-sign him. So I don't think the question so much would have been, you know, um, I mean, again, if, if, if you knew that he wanted to be here, then I think it's easier to make the argument for pushing in all those assets. Um, but to be honest, I mean, I don't think even with Isaiah Thomas, even if you say that, you know, it was a 50-50 bet that he would be good or bad um, at the time due to his hip. I still think they made the right move, to be honest, right? I mean, Jay Crowder obviously didn't pan out, but they got Rodney Hood for Jay Crowder, right? Yeah. Um, and they were able to get, you know, George Hill for basically nothing, um, for basically dumping Amon Shumpert's contract, more or less, right? Um, so essentially, they got George Hill, Rodney Hood, and the Nets pick instead of, you know, effectively... Uh, Middleton, Brogdon, and, you know, I think the Bucks may have offered one first rounder. I know Zach Lowe had said they would have had to offer two. Um, and to be honest, I mean, the Nets pick, again, I mean, that could be the first pick. That could be the third yeah. pick. That could be the seventh pick. Um, all those picks are, wherever it lands up, it's going to be a lot better than probably what, whatever the Bucks could have offered pick-wise. Um, so to be honest, I mean, if I'm Kobe Altman, like I'm not really looking back on the Bucks offers and saying, oh, man, I wish we would take would have taken Chris Middleton, Brockton and, you know, one or two kind of mid to late first round picks. I think as much as the cap season has been circuitous and largely crappy, I think they've kind of come out on the other side, not in great shape. Um, but again, I mean, if you take it from the perspective of they had to do something and I know everybody, you know, in hindsight is like, well, they should have just not traded Kyrie. Well, you know, fine. But obviously at the time, it seemed like that kind of had to happen and they did that and i think they actually ended up relatively okay and so i, I don't know middleton me, and brogdon pretty, give them a better chance than whatever lineup they have now right i don't i don't even know if that well well I, so if you're not including the picks but I, I guess yeah i mean middleton's obviously better than rodney hood um brogdon's probably comparable to george hill when he's not you know like obviously sacramento george hill wasn't very good but you know, the George Hill we've seen in, in Cleveland is more like the one we've seen in the past, who is a better three-point shooter than than Malcolm Brogdon. Um, what if I you mean, don't think, think about George Hill at all? Because I think I could still get George Hill if I wanted him. Yeah, that's true. Um, so basically just Rodney, well, obviously Middleton and Brogdon are better than Rodney Hood. Um, so I think it's just like, how much do you value that that Nets pick and, and where do you think it's going to end up? Um, I, I don't know, to be honest, I... That's a top five pick. Uh, to be honest, I think I'd yeah. still rather have that package. To be honest, yeah, no, um, I I think it's very interesting because you, you're pri- prioritizing, uh, I think, different things there, um, and the Cavs are in a very complicated and unique situation. Um, but I, I am I would wonder if, and I guess the answer from 
LeBron might be a little bit different than the answer from Kobe Altman, which might be a little bit different than the answer from Dan Gilbert, which is probably part of their problem. Well, and here's a here's a question for you. So um, let's say the Cavs come back to the Bucks this summer and and want to do a deal that is, you know, essentially the number whatever pick the Nets pick for Chris Middleton. Let's just say Chris Middleton on his own. What oh. at, where where would that pick have to be for you to want to do that deal? Oh, man, that's good stuff, Frank. Um, that's a very Steve Von Horn question. Um, man, top. Well, one, I wish I knew more about the draft, but I do feel like there are legitimate players in this one. Maybe I'm wrong on things I've heard. Probably top five might get it done. Yeah, I I get the feeling. I don't know that in my really limited knowledge. When I look at the mock drafts, I get a lot less interested at maybe the seven-ish spot or so. Um, so I might say even so. The the current top top uh, top here are the top picks in the in the mock from Jonathan Gavoni, Doncic one, Luka Doncic from Real Madrid. Yep. DeAndre Ayton two. I think Mohammed so. Bamba, Mohammed Bamba three. Jaron Jackson four. Marvin Bagley the third five. Michael Porter Jr. six. Trey Young seventh, Wendell Carter Jr. eighth, um, Colin Sexton ninth. I'm probably good at seven. Yeah, I think I think if you have a chance to get, again, I probably would have Trey Young higher than seven. But um, you know, when you look at just these other guys, I mean, Mike Porter at six. I mean, he was considered a potential top, you know, top overall pick. All those guys, um, I think, are are really intriguing. And again, if if the Bucks had you know unlimited cap space that they were working with then I'd probably be less willing to give up Chris Middleton. But um, again, I think it's, you, you have to think about, you know, how do you kind of load up for not just the next couple of years, but, but, you know, how do you load up for Giannis's prime? And, and uh, be- again, it, it's one thing, I mean, again, it's one thing if we talk about like, well, like a 2020 second round pick or something, right? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I, I, I get it. Like people hear us grouse over like distant you know low picks like the one that was given up in the zeller deal and say like well why do you guys even care about that um but if you're talking about a lottery pick next year you know that guy hopefully maybe he's not a a good really valuable nba player as a rookie but maybe he is by his second year and then maybe by his third and fourth years he's better than chris middleton you know like that's the potential and um again you have to think about who you're going to roll with moving forward with this team and um, i know we've got some questions about that to be clear you picked chris middleton because you can get the most for him right yes i believe he's the best because eric bledsoe ain't getting you a top seven pick eric yeah he's not getting you okay just wanted to just wanted to double check there right and actually on that topic uh will leitner asks Basically, this very question: Who is the least valuable slash most replayable, most replaceable core player to the Bucks going forward? So, core he listed as Giannis, Bledsoe, Middleton, Jabari, and Brogdon. Um, and Will had uh, from most important to least: Giannis, Bledsoe, Jabari, Brogdon, and Middleton. Uh, and you said Middleton was most replaceable because of Snell and Brown behind him. All right, so that's enough. Some- this shit is so annoying to me. <laughs> If people, and it's and it's like a, it, this is an opinion that exists on Bucks Twitter. Snell could do what Chris Middleton does, and it no. is some of the most offensive shit I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. Because it's just, it's just ridiculous. Like it is absolutely ridiculous. Tony Snell has never shown any upper level passing ability ever in his career, in his life, ever. 
That's not a thing he's done. And Chris Middleton's the second best creator on the Bucks. Period. Like it, I, it's just so offensive to me that people think that. And I just need it. We can get through the question, but seeing that opinion that is prevalent on Twitter that Snell or Brown could be Chris Middleton, it is offensive. It is truly offensive. All right. So you, it's a the there's an expansion draft, and you can only protect you know <laughs> whatever number of players. How do you rank? rank those guys in terms of you know factoring in obviously talent potential fit everything you know contract age all the stuff that you'd have to factor in if you're john horse and you're thinking about how to build this team how would you rank those guys from most important to least important Giannis, middleton brogdon bari bledsoe how about you yeah i obviously Giannis is the easiest thing in the world uh i'd say middleton second um, and then it kind of gets a little hairy. Um, Bledsoe, I would probably put last just because again, he's 28 going on 29 next year, expiring contract. And I, I just don't know about, you know, again, there's just a, a, there's obvious concern about what that next contract looks like and how, you know, how do you actually keep him as an asset on your books with that next contract? And I think that may be extremely difficult. He's going to want a number that is going to be make him totally overpaid. Mm-hmm. And obviously with his injury history, it's a big flag. So I'd probably put Bledsoe last in that group. Um, and then so kind of working backwards from there. Um, I think, to be honest, um, I'd probably put, I'd probably still put Jabari third. And I don't do that because I think he's like a, like a better NBA player right now than Malcolm Brogdon. Um, But I just think he has a more, you know, he can get in sort of that long tail type. He's, he's, he's a guy who just has more potential than Malcolm Brogdon does. And again, I think Malcolm Brogdon, like if you paid Malcolm Brogdon more than like $10 million a year, I think you're going to regret that. I think if you pay Jabari $20 million a year, you're probably going to regret that too. <laughs> but at least there's a chance that you could move that. Like, yeah, you know, if you yeah. get, like if they both, you know, if, if they both got $15 million per year, I think there's a much better chance that Jabari could somehow become an asset oh, at that price. Um, so that's to, to me, that's, that's why I, I do it that way. Um, but by the same token, you can make the argument that if you have Giannis and Middleton, then, um, fundamentally Brogdon is more valuable than Jabari just because positionally they're just more redundant, right? Yeah. Um, like Jabari just doesn't, you just don't need Jabari with, with Giannis and, and Chris around, which I think is a very fair argument, but, um, but it, it's tough. <sighs> you uh, just made me sick to my stomach because this question forces me to think about the four contracts of those guys. And I don't, I, I don't feel comfortable with any of their contract situations. Like not one of them because we've talked about now, for i don't know going on as long as we've done this podcast like the value in the nba in salary ranges is at the very top and at the very bottom and though i think you could get brogdon at a number that ultimately i'm okay with which is why i put him above jabari is it a number that he's an overwhelming asset yeah i don't know that it is and with jabari like there's just the the question of is he going to be healthy? Will he remain healthy? Um, how is he on the defensive end? Like, there's just a number of questions there. And 
brought, ugh, man, I don't, ugh, I, we're going to have to talk about the, these four things uh, for a while now. <laughs> like That's going to be the question this offseason. That'll be uh, the question at the start of next year. That'll be those question two offseasons from now is those contracts. And uh, the Bucks. Uh, I mean, they are, they are staring down the barrel. Um, on all of them and trying to figure out exactly what to do there is just I mean really tough and I guess with least valuable most replaceable I I find it difficult to think of those two things in the same way um, because I I think they I think Brogdon's incredibly valuable there's no doubt about that until he signs his next contract then I'm not as sure Um, and then also is he replaceable Maybe, but also he does. He's very versatile. So I don't know. That's that's a really interesting question. Um, I feel confident with Giannis at one. Very confident. <laughs> and then there. I feel confident, but not very confident with Middleton at two. And then the rest after that, I'm. I, I would be comfortable with you putting them in any order. And I, I think you can make convincing arguments for any of them. Actually, not Bledsoe. Uh, Bledsoe, I think I think Bledsoe's last. I, I would say that. I'm very confident in Giannis 1. I'm confident in Middleton 2. I'm confident in Bledsoe 5. And Brogdon and uh, Jabari, I think you could move around. Okay, and we just, I think, answered one other question we got, which was from AJS. He asked, for 2019 free agency, if you could only sign one of Chris or Bledsoe, same amount of years, same amount in years for both, say $20 million per year, who would you pick? Also, if that happens, where does that leave the buck salary cap-wise, assuming Jabari is resigned at $18 million <sighs> per year? Um, I just got sick in my stomach. Oh. Well, but I think this is an easy question, right? Like yes. Chris, Chris at twenty million per year. He's two years younger than Bledsoe. Um, he's super malleable in terms of you know, like lots of teams. I think would be willing to take Chris Middleton at twenty million per year. Um, His game you know, might also age better. Years. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't. Yeah, I mean, all right, he doesn't have much athleticism to begin with, which hopefully means he can age well. Um, not that he has less of a margin, but you could maybe argue both ways. But, uh, but yeah, I think Chris, I, I would agree. Since he, he's on the Tough Shot Express and he needs just that smallest little bit to get that shot off. So if that disappears, his game off the dribble disappears. But he'd still be a forty percent three point shooter. Like right, and that's the thing, right? Like I think Chris could reinvent. I, I to be honest, I hope Chris reinvents himself to some extent regardless hi new coach yeah exactly um <laughs> but i think there's a new there there, there there are changes that that both bledsoe and, and chris need to make i think yeah. from a shot selection standpoint which if you had i think a head coach who like really was going to maximize his roster um it would change the way and to be honest Giannis as well i think all those guys would would change some of their shot selection what they're doing now um but anyway we knocked we'll knock that one out real quick 